Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Jess Appetit and I am the UK Country Manager at Via Van and this is The Dispatch, a podcast series where we talk to experts about building the transportation of tomorrow. I'm very excited to be joined today by two power women um, who are working to revolutionise public transport in Milton Keynes. Um, Adele Wearing, who is the strategic lead for passenger transport at Milton Keynes Council, and Councillor Lauren Townsend, who represents Bletchley West and is a cabinet member for community and safety. Thank you both so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Uh, so to set the scene for our listeners, uh, Milton Keynes is a growing city in Southeast England. It has close to 250,000 residents and is known for its innovation and green agenda. Um, and linked to the innovation agenda, uh, Milton Keynes Council recently made a pretty bold decision to convert almost their entire subsidised bus network into a demand responsive bus network. And so I've invited two of the key decision makers um, to today's podcast to hopefully allow for a broader audience to benefit from some of their learnings. Uh, so I'm going to start with Adele. Um, and let's start with bus provision in Milton Keynes. I think our listeners would find it useful to get a sense for how this has historically operated. And it would be great if you could touch on how it operated both prior to COVID and then some of the challenges that you guys faced um, with COVID. Sure. So Milton Keynes is um, it's quite challenging for UK bus operators because it is laid out very differently from most UK cities with sort of without with the grid system rather than obvious radials. Um, so we've ended up with quite a lot of supported services as a result of it not being ideally suited for a commercial network across the board. And those have carried on historically. So you know, developments come in, we get developer funding, we start a service, the developer funding runs out, there's enough people using the bus that we've continued supporting it from other funding sources. So we've ended up with quite a cumbersome historical network that hasn't really been revised or changed for a long time. And in the run up, you know, in the run up to COVID, because everything is pre and post COVID now, isn't it? Um, we were already looking at how we could improve on the design of that network and how we could address some of the, that historical hangover from it. Um, COVID obviously devastated tra travel numbers, passenger numbers across the board so we had and that you know nationally so we had a network that was already fairly heavy and inefficient that was suddenly running at a cost of sort of 36 pound per trip which is you know unsustainable in anybody's book um, so that brought forward a lot of the thinking that we'd been doing already um, that we'd expected to be able to look at and maybe ease in over a few years and it suddenly brought it sort of right up to focus. So we're dealing with a really different public transport situation now. Um, even if we accept sort of 80, 85% recovery rate as the, the standard assumption for post COVID, sort of once there is um, less social distancing and we're able to operate buses as normal, we're still left with a network that didn't work and wasn't effective at 100%. So 80% isn't acceptable either. Um, so, yeah, it's, we've essentially ended up addressing some of those issues that we knew were coming in a much tighter time frame. Thank you, Del. No, that was, I think, pretty good context. And I think, you know, 
buses not working prior to COVID and then COVID exacerbating that problem is not unique to Milton Keynes. And so obviously Milton Keynes Council has decided to do something relatively bold um, and to replace their entire subsidised bus network with demand responsive buses. What's the key catalyst to this decision being made? So we obviously had the situation where we couldn't carry on as we, we were and we'd recognised that. And we were looking at the options and opportunities. Um, one of the things that COVID has done, obviously, is put us all in a very uncertain financial position. So we were looking at having to make more significant cuts in a shorter time scale. And we didn't want to do um, what we know has been done in a lot of places where we simply drew back the bus network to what is being provided by developer funding. And that's it, because that doesn't actually provide a citywide network even with the core of the commercial services, it left really big gaps. We wanted to make sure that whatever we did balanced the need to um, provide those savings and that financial security to be able to continue it going forward, but also met the needs of the users in, in Milton Keynes and filled in those gaps in the network. And DRT looked like a really good opportunity to do that. Um, we'd already been exploring it a little bit, with, again, with a view to potentially making changes and introducing it and seeing how it worked over a few years. Um, but in the end, you know, when we sat down and looked at it, really, doing it in one big sweep gave us everything we needed to achieve. It gave us a network that covered the whole of the city area and the rural areas and didn't leave anybody behind. Um, and it gave us a network we could afford to subsidise. And Adele, to give everyone a little bit more context on how big of a decision this was and what sort of benefit the council is looking to get out of the decision, can you give listeners an approximation of how much money you're looking to save through this transition from fixed route subsidised buses to demand responsive buses? Um, we're currently spending about two, well, this year will cost us about 2.9 million in subsidised services and we're looking to about half that overall. Um, that does include retention of one or two fixed bus routes, but it's almost exclusively going to be DRT from next year. And the, you know, the wonderful thing about it actually is we might be offering a better service to a lot of these people. Um, certainly in some of the rural areas, bus services are every two hours and don't run after sort of 6pm or on a Sunday. And we're looking at a seven day a week into the evening service. So it could be a considerable improvement for some of them. And sort of finally on that point, you know, Milton Keynes has a strong commercial network. How are um, the council dealing with the risks of demand responsive transport competing with this network? We'll be requiring um, the DRT provider to work um, around, basically around the commercial network and to allocate journeys to the commercial network if they can be served well by it so any journey that is end-to-end -end providable by the commercial network within a reasonable amount of time um, and within the sort of the standard british standard 400 meters should be allocated to the commercial network we don't want to we want to strengthen the commercial network we have we don't want to undermine it with this so uh, we'll be doing a lot of work um, with operators and with the supplier to make sure we get that right
Yeah, and I do think one of the challenges that we will be working through um, is things like the level of interchange we allow and the length of journey we allow in terms of what it is on the bus compared to what it is on DRT. And it is finding that balance so that everybody gets the best possible service, but that we don't undermine and compete directly with the commercial network. But some of that will be just detail we have to get into when the contracts are out. Thank you, Adele. I think all of that context was very, very helpful. And I think we'll transition nicely to getting this sort of other point of view, um, which is that from the local government. And so Councillor Townsend, obviously this was a very vision. Things I'm curious to hear about is whether it's been harder or easier um, decision to champion than you would have originally thought. So if I'm being honest, when I first came into this and we saw the financial picture as a result of the um, COVID-19 pandemic and we saw how much money we were losing through our revenue stream of parking, because obviously everyone was working from home for months. Um, there was even one month where we were actually paying back more in refunding people for like their work permits and stuff than we were making in parking charges. Um, so it was, it was a big, big financial challenge for us. And we started to discuss having to make this decision I was really, really worried. However, I think it's been a lot easier to champion than I initially thought. Um, every step of the way, um, all the stakeholders we've brought in have asked fantastic questions. The Milton Keynes bus users group, my initial decision was actually called in both by um, opposition party councillors and also by a couple of parish councils because we are fully parished here in Milton Keynes. Um, but if anything, that gave us more chance to kind of scrutinize and ask questions. And it means that a lot of people have now fed into this process. We've had um, bus users across the city feed into this process and councillors who are advocating for their residents feed into this process. We've had disability groups feed into this process. We've had kind of young mums with prams feed into this process. Um, so it's, it's been really, really good and really kind of collaborative. And I feel like we've come to a place now where I feel comfortable that we've covered all bases and I feel comfortable that we are going to provide a service that is going to be the best decision for constituents of Milton Keynes and hopefully will encourage more people to use public transport. We do have an issue here in MK that we are very much a car based city, um, new city or town. Some people argue with the definition of MK. <laughs> we don't have a cathedral, but you know, I've always called it a city. Um, and it is very, very car based. We've got kind of, as Adele said, we've got spaced out estates with green areas in between. The estates are all very inward looking. Um, and we've got big grid roads based on kind of the LA grid road system. So it, it's very easy to get around with straight roads and roundabouts, straight roads and roundabouts um, by car. So a lot of people do get around by car. Um, and, you know, when I took over when I looked after the transport portfolio, when my colleague went on maternity leave, um, one of the first things I noticed was the amount of emails you get from people who were disappointed by the bus service as it currently is. Um, there was issues around reliability. There was issues around kind of wait times. There was also, unfortunately, a couple of comments about, um, you know, bus drivers demanding exact change and um, people being upset that the bus wasn't maybe as clean as they thought it could be um so i think there's definitely an appetite amongst the bus users we do have to improve the service um and i i genuinely feel that this is the right way to do that um and yeah and now we're kind of coming towards the end of that decision and we're getting going on going out to procurement and all the rest it it feels a lot easier than i thought it would just because i and my colleagues 
feel like it's the right decision and that it's going to be beneficial um, to Milton Keynes. No, no, no. I think that's sort of really excellent context for, uh, and I guess hopefully I think one that will resonate um, with a, a number of our listeners, no doubt. Um, and I think, I guess, linked to that sort of what was sort of the main driving factor as you came to support this decision? And obviously, I think a lot of things played into this and it was really, it would be excellent to kind of hear your perspective on this one too. Yeah, so, I mean, it's important to say, that we did have to make this decision properly quicker than we would have under normal circumstances. We have had to make it a lot quicker. So it has been quite a highly pressured situation because of the financial implications of COVID. But this is an option that we were looking into way before the pandemic. Um, I mean, even at the beginning of this year in February, we were already running a trial of DRT in one of our estates in Amazon Valley that had to be cut short because of the pandemic. But this is something we've already been looking into. Milton Keynes, as you said at the beginning, has a reputation for being very tech savvy and very innovative. Um, <clears throat> we've got Starship delivery robots, for example, we're one of the first cities to have those. Everybody loves them. They run around the red, red the redways. They're very cute. Um, and we have always been at the forefront of that kind of technology and advancement. And so DRT was kind of the next step in that. I mean, long term, we're looking to move into MRT as well. So mass rapid transport and DRT would fit in really nicely with that. Um, so it has been part of our long term strategy. We've just had to do it a little bit quicker than maybe we thought. And the reasons that we were looking into it primarily for me um, is probably the environmental reasons. You know, we've made a pledge here in Milton Keynes to be carbon neutral by 2030 and carbon negative by 2050. Now, those are big goals. They actually go ahead of what, you know, the UK government is currently pledging to do in terms of carbon neutrality. And obviously a big factor of that is public transport. As I said before, a lot of people use cars in Milton Keynes, so we really need to find a way to get them out of that, um, out of those cars. And DRT, I believe, is the best way to do that. We have said that when we go to procurement, we're going to ask for um, a high percentage of the vehicles to be electric vehicles, which is obviously very exciting because our bus network currently is not electric vehicles. Um, and then the other thing is the modal shift. So getting people into them. And we just believe that DRT is an easier way to do that. You know, the fact that you can use, so it's not just app, I'll come on to that because of accessibility, but I think for a lot of people, the benefit will be the ease of ordering a demand responsive transport vehicle on the app. You can just go on, you can say where you are, it will tell you where to walk to meet it. The likelihood is it will often probably be closer than your nearest bus stop because it will be like the end of your street or the corner. Um, and it also will take you from A to B without any vehicle changes. So without having to change as you maybe would on the commercial bus network, which may be more attractive to people. Um, we had a few questions raised kind of around, or oh, well, you know, what if other people book the app and then your journey's delayed so you don't, don't get to where you were supposed to get on time? I don't foresee that being an issue. We've had a look at lots of modeling. We've had a look at a lot of case studies where this has been done elsewhere. I mean, the average journey times are a lot lower than I initially thought they would in a lot of the case studies you showed us. I think some of those were in Seven Oaks um, and other places. Um, the fact that you can demand it, as Adele said, in rural areas, you can sometimes be waiting 16, 90, 120 minutes for a bus. We can set limits on how long you will wait. And I think we would probably set those as maximum wait time of 30 minutes. So that's already an improvement in a lot of areas. Um, it's also, um, 
the accessibility, I said I was going to come back to the accessibility, it's not just app based and the app is fantastic because you can put on there if you have um, mobility um, concerns and so you need a vehicle that is adapted for wheelchairs or you're going to need help boarding or you need a step and a rail to board etc etc but also accessibility concerns were raised for people who aren't maybe so tech savvy um, and maybe don't have a smartphone etc or a computer at home. And so I like the fact that you can open this up to a telephone service, which will almost work like a, you know, like you're calling a cab, but you, you will speak to a real human. It will be run by our customer services team. When the full launch happens at the beginning of April 2021, it, the customer service line will be open for the entire duration that buses would run. So there was a lot of concerns that, you know, the phone line would only be nine to five and can you pre-book and all this sort of stuff. Won't be an issue if the bus service in Milton Keynes usually runs 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. The phone line will be open 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. So I think that's another really nice addition. Um, and we're also exploring some other ways as to when we go live, we can maybe expand on that. We'll take feedback from users. Um, and I like the fact that it's quite flexible. We, we're very confident that we can kind of adapt this service to meet our needs moving forwards. Um, the data is fascinating as well, the, the amount of data we'll get back. So we'll be able to kind of tell what are our most used routes. You know, we could, we could maybe work out um, what times of day people are traveling and we can adapt to fit that. And finally, Councillor Townsend, what advice would you have for other elected officials throughout the UK who are looking at their transport provision in this challenging environment? Um, I think they should definitely look into it. Um, I think I can't speak for other cities and towns, but for Milton Keynes, the commercial bus route, fine, but the subsidised routes that we were having to pay a lot out for weren't working for us anymore. Um, and, and at the end of the day, we had to look into that, you know, we have a certain amount of money to spend every year. Um, and as Adele said, our subsidised contracts were looking at 2.9 million for this year. Um, I think they increased by something like 72% last year. So we have no idea what that may have been again next year, the increasing costs. Um, basically to subsidise a private bus network that we don't necessarily have that much say over. Um, now with DRT, like I said, I feel like we've got a lot more flexibility. I feel like it will work for Milton Keynes. And seeing, as I said, the case studies and the presentations and everything we've gone through with yourself and with other people who kind of run this sort of service, um, I think it's quite adaptable to all different areas. Um, so 100% look into it. The only other thing is I have written to um, the Secretary of State for the Department of Transport just to ask if they would consider moving forwards kind of funding this type of innovative solution, um, because obviously the the government's aims aren't as ambitious as Milton Keynes Council's on carbon neutrality, but they do want to push forward a green agenda. I think everyone knows the climate crisis is a crisis and we need to tackle it. Um, and if they're serious about that, they do need to provide local authorities with other options. If, if subsidised bus networks and commercial bus networks and the private operators aren't working, and in some areas they're not working. Um, it's also worth noting that, you know, in Milton Keynes, we kept subsidising the commercial network a lot longer than a lot of other authorities did. A lot of them weren't able to afford to do so. So they have just cut buses. You hear horror stories all the time of people who've had their route completely cut or their buses are less regular or their buses don't run certain times. And if you're a shift worker, that's a nightmare. Um, so we have managed to keep that service going as long as we can. We have now reached breaking point. So we are having to look at an innovative solution. And I would love for the Department for Transport to look into what we're doing here um, and perhaps 
perhaps make some funds available to allow other authorities to follow suit and also to allow us as kind of a, you know, a practice city, Milton Keynes, the place of innovation, to move forward and expand on this and really try and make it something workable, something that's better for the environment, something that gets people out of their cars um, and is accessible to all. Yeah. And Adele, I guess watching everyone sort of nod at Councillor Townsend and sort of very, very strong agreement with a lot of the points that she's made. If you were going to be giving advice to other passenger transport leads, having gone through this decision yourself, um, what sort of advice would you be providing them with? Um, we were a little bit, I think, um, consult early. <laughs> we were a little bit hamstrung by the situation we were in with the end date for our existing contracts and everything that was going on and COVID landing right in the middle of when we were going to be procuring. So um, we've had to do a lot of consultation in a very short space of time, um, which is something I would definitely recommend to anybody who has that <laughs> opportunity. Um, I think the modelling was actually really, really important understanding that making the most of the limited understanding we have from the information we get from bus use at the moment which obviously is very much boarding in rough areas it's not always even stop by stop um, aggregated data you know we know roughly how many people well, we know how many people travel on a route we don't necessarily know how many people people travel at peak time on a monday um, and at, but making the most of the data we did have was really, really helpful. It allowed us to actually see what we were talking about and try a few uh, proposals out. And, you know, it started with, well, OK, what does, a, you know, what does a gold star service look like and how much does it cost us? And this is how many people we had traveling pre-COVID and this is how many people we've got traveling now. And then we did the, OK, and if we have very little money, what does it look like and what does the service level look like? And from there, we were able to sort of work out what we wanted to deliver um, and what it would cost us to do and put our case together. So I think that it's actually really important to spend a little bit of time going through that process and modelling this out properly um, to understand what you are offering and what you are able to offer. Um, the consultation ended up being really, really valuable, as Lauren's already said, in terms of some of the feedback we got and the questions we had. And uh, we went back and went, actually, never thought of that one. Um, what can we do about some of these things? And we've had to balance, uh, for accessibility reasons, we've had to make a balance between vehicles that have that sort of wheelchair accessibility and electric vehicles, because the electric wheelchair accessible market at the moment isn't great. So, you know, there's been been a lot to think through. And I think that the meetings with the councillors and the bus user group have been really, really useful. And also in shaping the long term ambition. Because the situation we're in now won't be where Milton Keynes is in five or 10 years. And we see this as a long term solution. So we've spent a little bit of time looking at how um, the DRT solution might change over time as mass rapid transport comes in, um, as the numbers increase, you know, if we are able to get into those new build areas and head off at least the second cars, you know, let's, let's, let's you know, we accept that some families are going to want a car, but maybe you don't need to, maybe DRT can fill that gap for you. And if we have really good success with that and these numbers really increase, 
what does that look like in five or 10 years? And how do we need to be adaptable to that? So yeah, I would say that my advice is, is do the modeling, spend the time with the, the figures and understand what you're trying to achieve um, and what your network will look like merged and think about the long term. Thanks, Adele. I think your last point in particular is an important one. And you're right. When planning for such big transport changes, you really need to think about something that's going to be flexible and and malleable enough to grow with you so that it doesn't just suit your needs in the short term, but that it also has the ability to grow with you so that it meets your medium to long term objectives. So again, Councillor Townsend, Adele, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to hear your journey towards an accessible, greener public transport solution that works for everyone while also saving Milton Keynes Council money. Um, I want to thank you for joining us today and I want to encourage everyone who tuned into our chat with Milton Keynes Council to check out even more of our interviews with experts and public transport leaders around the world on The Dispatch.